Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, honey, you know your dad's world-famous chili. Yeah, the one that takes 24 hours to make. So I was trying to help out and bring the pot to the table, but it was like super hot. And then I um dropped it. And now the floor looks all, you know, stained with chili. Look, the point is, you guys cool with pizza for dinner? <laughs> honey? Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi guys and welcome to the show. I hope you all had a great weekend and I hope you're all looking forward to this upcoming week of real baseball games that'll be starting on Thursday. My name is Joe Arico and this is the Fantasy MLB Today podcast which is brought to you by Sports Ethos. You guys can find me on Twitter at JoeArico99. That's at J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. And you can also go ahead and follow the Ethos Fantasy BB Twitter account, which is where this show is posted out from every day. And we'll have other fantasy-related content throughout the year. That's E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. So if you go ahead and follow those two accounts and you listen to the show here, download the show, then you should be fully covered, uh, as far as I'm concerned, on your fantasy baseball news throughout the season. I'm going to be tweeting out lists of players to add, players to drop, um, buy low, sell high kind of things. I'm going to try and give you a full picture of what's going on around baseball this year and try and provide an accurate view of individual players' values. If a certain player looks hot for a couple of games, then I'll tell you whether or not it makes sense to pick them up. Things like that. Pieces of advice throughout the season. So you want to be following us um, on Twitter and you want to be downloading the show and listening to the show, hopefully, uh, to try and win your fantasy leagues this season. I hope that I'll steer you guys in the right direction. But there, uh, of course, there's always going to be mistakes made. No one is going to be perfect in their predictions. And one of my predictions already looks to have gone by the wayside, which was the Jacob deGrom top 10, top first round value anyway for the season, which appears to be unrealistic uh, based on Based on his injury, I was really hoping that it'd be a chance he would stay healthy this year. I mean, they'd forecasted it going back to last year that he's probably not going to be, uh, that it wouldn't take much to take him out of the lineup this year, out of the rotation. And they were right. And we have not yet had a real baseball game this year, an official regular season game. And DeGrom has been ruled out for the next month. So... It sucks. It really sucks. Um, this is part of the reason why I recommend having your drafts as late as possible. I still have a couple of drafts to do this week. So you want to try and push your draft as much as you can as long as 
as long as everybody's okay with that in your league, there might be some people who want to do it earlier. But I think, I mean, if you're talking about a redraft league, year to year, different rosters, then I think it makes sense to push it back as far as possible. Because if you're in a dynasty league, something like this, it doesn't matter as much. I mean, of course it matters, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to hurt you as much to miss the ground for a month on the dynasty side as it will in a redraft league. So you want to have as much time before the season starts, in my opinion, to look at if players are going to be hurt, if players have gotten hurt in spring. Another example is Lance Lynn, who I had thought would be, you know, maybe not as good as he was last year. Last year was really, really a, a career year for Lance. But I thought he'd be pretty good. I thought he'd still have value in the middle of that fifth, sixth round there. And now he's going to be out for at least four weeks. He is someone that I had drafted in one of my early ESPN leagues. So there are some cautionary tales already in the spring. Um, for me, a lot of it comes down to, like I said, when you're uh, when you're doing your drafts, I would try and schedule them for this week at some point. I mean, this week you're kind of pushing it as much as you can push it. You can't go any farther, obviously. I mean, some people wait until there's been a week or two of the season to draft, which I don't really like that either. I think right now is the window where you should be drafting. Uh, just before the season starts, when you have pretty much all the news uh, cemented, we know um, we know a couple of prospects already who are going to be making the opening day roster. Uh, Torkelson in Detroit looks to be solidified there. And who is the other one? It's uh, Julio Rodriguez. Julio Rodriguez for the Mariners looks like he's going to be a stud. So he's someone uh, to draft. He's someone to take a look at. Well, we're going to be doing uh, an outfielder show today. I thought I would just give a bit more of a broad intro based on uh, based on a couple of the injuries and a couple of things that have happened over the weekend. So we're going to be talking about outfielders today. I'm not going to be talking about every single outfielder. I'm going to be trying to go uh, more on the value side of things today. So I'm going to be looking more at guys going outside of the top 100. I've touched on a lot of guys going inside already. Pretty much all of them I've touched on at one point or another, <clears throat> excuse me, whether it be in a mock draft show or uh, they're eligible at a different position, such as a Whit Merrifield or uh, a Cattell Marte, players like that who are eligible in the infield. I've already talked about them. So I'm going to be trying to find more value plays uh, today, be pointing out some more value plays in the draft that I think make a lot of sense. And there may be one or two guys that I have touched on in my in my mock draft show or even at another position, but I'll be bringing them up again in certain instances if I really want to hammer the point home that I really believe in them this year. And some guys, unfortunately, we just don't have time to talk about everybody. But let's start it off with someone that I have <clears throat> talked about already a little bit, and that's Kyle Schwarber. Now, Kyle's not going until pick 104 on average, and I think that that could be a huge steal. It's I, I, A lot of my draft videos and a lot of my breakdown videos have been talking about players to avoid but he's definitely someone I would take a look at in that range now he's turned into a leadoff hitter these last couple of years I really don't fully get it I'm more of a traditional I like a quick guy leading off a guy with a high on base leading off in that one two range not that he's bad at getting on base but he just feels like more of a quintessential three four five hitter somewhere like, personally, if I was making that lineup, I'd have Segura 1 and probably Real Muto 2 
And then you're talking about Harper and Schwarber, Castellanos. I understand it to a certain extent, but I think it's a little weird he's leading off. But regardless, uh, he'll be leading off as far as we know. He'll be a great source of runs. The home run should stay fairly similar where they were last year at 32. And he didn't have a ton of at-bats last year, 400 at-bats, which is not quite a full season's worth. 32 homers, 71 RBIs. If he can play a full season on a, on a very good lineup, now, he was on a good Red Sox team for half the year last year, but less than half the year. And he was pretty good, but I think he did most of his damage last year on the Nationals. That's where his value lay uh, in that early season hot streak where he, was it June, I think? June, where he homered like every day of the month almost. He had like 16 homers in June or something crazy. So there might be a bit of a bit of regression because that was kind of, you know, out of character, having that hot of a streak for him. So it's a maybe a little bit risky if you think about, like, what he's done in his whole career and the overall picture, including no steals. Not a bad average, but you're not getting any steals out of him. All of that to say, I think it's worth a pick after pick 100. I do think that he will provide value there, especially being on a fairly prolific offense there, which should be a fairly prolific offense. I'm not really worried about drafting uh, many guys after pick 100 because, as I've talked about last week and the week before, your team is pretty much not set after pick 100, but you really have a foundation laid down. So, in this kind of instance, Schorber can play the outfield and he can play first. I'll take a flyer on him after pick 100. I don't really even consider it to be a flyer because I think that he will have the value there. Uh, I think it's I think it's a fairly safe bet. He'll provide the same kind of value. Let's move on to Jesse Winker, who his overall numbers suffered a little bit because he just didn't keep it up throughout the entire year. Now, his batting average stayed high the whole year, 305. 24 homers, 71 driven in. But there was a couple of hot stretches, especially early on, that dictated a lot of his ranking, which was 115th last year. He's been taken to pick 105, and another guy... One pick after Schwarber, so same, same, same thing. I like them both in that range, but I, I really like Winker. I don't know. There's something about Jesse Winker. I think it's maybe the fact that he hits for a high average uh, while also having that power potential. Schwarber's not a bad hitter for average. He hit 266 last year, but the guys who hit over 300 in your lineup are going to be really valuable to that batting average category. If you're not now, it's not. A massive drain to have guys who bat below, but it is a massive plus to have guys that bat above. It's kind of a weird phrasing, but every guy that bats above 300 is worth like two guys that bats below 200 for me. And that might not be a direct ratio. It might not be exactly how it actually works, but I really like a high batting average, especially with that power mix in there too. So yeah, I like Winker. I'd pick 105. It feels... It feels kind of low, honestly. Like I feel like he should be going a little bit higher, but I'll like him in that range. I'm not going to be jumping, and that's another thing that I've talked about on the show is I don't really advocate jumping up average draft pick. If he's fallen to that place, no one's taken him in that earlier on than that, then most of the time you can wait till that place as well and take him then. And that goes for player A, B, C, whoever. If you're if they're going pick 135, you don't need to pick them at pick 100. You you can wait most of the time on those guys depending on how sneaky the guys are in your league. 
But most of the time you can wait on those guys and you'll still get the guy you want and you get a couple other players in between there just for having a little bit of patience. A couple of guys who are ranked higher than player A, player B, whoever. So I always advocate caution um, and patience in these drafts. Not patience to a degree where you're missing out on players a lot, but and, and I mean you will miss out on players. That's the way a draft goes. But I'd be very careful and I'd be very cautious about going over an ADP. Now, at ADP or within five picks up or down, that's fine. Uh, especially, you know, if you're drafting at the end of a, at the end of the first round, beginning of the second round, and you have like 20 picks between your picks or 18 picks between your picks, whatever it is. And there's a guy you want to jump two or three spots for. Okay, that's that's understandable. But I don't really ever advocate jumping 20, 30 spots to draft a player unless you are you know, really in love with this particular individual. Not something that I really ever advocate for, though. Uh, let's move on. Fran Mel Reyes, someone I haven't talked about um, in these shows so far, and someone who is just a full, healthy, consistent season away from being like a 40-plus home run hitter with that same kind of power as like a Miguel Sano, a Jorge Soler, those kind of powerful guys. That's the that's the player I feel like Fran Mill can become. That kind of power, anyway. I mean, 30 home runs last year. This shows you how brutal the Indians were, though. Excuse me, the Guardians. I'll try not to do that again. Uh, the Guardians, they had 57 runs, or he had 57 runs with 30 home runs. It's just a, usually when you see someone 30 home runs, 85 RBIs, you're usually going to see the runs be around a similar number to the RBIs. But he had 57 runs, so it's a bad team over there. It might get worse. They may continue to gut that team. We'll see if Jose Ramirez... Starts the season in Cleveland because there's been some chatter that he may be traded as the season goes on. We we'll have to we'll have to see. I mean, you can't forecast value based on a possible trade, but uh, there's not much help going on in that lineup. There, there's not. I mean, he is a trade candidate for me. His his value would be really high if he went to a, a trade a contender and played every day. Because those runs, that's really a drag on his value. Like if he, he's still four bases too. He's like, it's something there. You know, anything over three or four stolen bases, it's not bad. You have to, you have to look at it. It's a non-zero number in the steals category. It's usually, it depends on the position, obviously. But middle infielders, you want to steal. Outfielders, you usually want to steal. Reyes is more of a DH kind of guy. He has eligibility in the outfield but to get a couple steals out of that guy who's not a base stealer it happened with me last year with nelson cruz he stole a couple bases for me and it's massive to have those guys who don't steal actually get a couple so the value in that is kind of understated in having those bigger guys those chubbier guys who are not really fast and who can get around the bases still like vladimir guerrero jr you saw it the other day in spring not something i really want to see going forward because of the risk of an injury but those big boys, some of them, they can really hustle and that can really uh, pay dividends in particular weeks if you're having a down week by one of your regular base stealers. Not that it's going to be a huge thing, but four steals is four steals. 254 on the batting average side, not great. If he gets it up a little bit and if you know they start driving him in over there, he's easily a top 100 guy. Uh, he's being drafted at pick 112. That feels fairly reasonable. I have no problem taking him in that range or even a little bit later. The next guy we'll talk about, I don't think I've mentioned him on the show. 
I may have briefly, but we'll talk about Joey Gallo for a little while. You know, the batting average is such a killer. He's 199 last year. It's it's tough to roster him in a category league because of that. He had 99 hits in 498 at-bats. Just, oh my God. If he could get the average up to 230, 240, like he's a 50 home run potential guy. He will probably, po- okay, hard to say probably. There's a good possibility he'll have a 50 home run season at some point in his career. Completely reasonable to think that. If he can give you 50 home runs, then it doesn't really matter what he's doing in the other categories because that is so valuable on its own there. Now, I mean, just to point to last season as an example, he was 170th ranked player despite his 199 batting average. And 170 is completely rosterable. It's completely fine. But there's so much room for him to grow from that spot. He's being drafted to pick 152. I think it's fairly reasonable. I mean, you could be a team that's built as a punt average. and You're looking to, you know, have a ton of power hitters across the board. He would fit that kind of build. He has okay speed. He's He stole six bags last year. He's not a prolific base stealer by any means. Six bags. A full season in New York should lead to more RBIs. Um, the home runs are interesting, too, because that short, short porch in right field of Yankee Stadium, he could hit he could hit a lot of home runs. So I'm really intrigued at the ADP at 152. <sighs> yeah, you know what? I think I would advocate taking a flyer on him there and just hoping... Now, not foolishly, optimistically thinking he's going to bat 300 or anything like that, but with the hope that he can get to like 220, 230 and still have the power numbers while stealing a few bases, he's a totally rosterable player and a totally valuable player too. I don't have not much problem around that range. Let's talk about Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who I like as a player. Um, he started out slow last year and then he, he ended the year like, on fire, actually on fire. Uh, 21 homers, 84 RBIs, 62 runs. Very serviceable numbers. 276 batting average. Now, he's not going to steal any bases for you. He had one steal last year, but he's not a base stealer. You're drafting him for that RBI, for the runs, homers, RBIs, kind of stacking in that Blue Jays lineup. Now, the average, if he hits 276 again, that'd be really good. If he can take a page out of his brother's book and win a batting title, I don't think he'll be doing that. But he can definitely hit closer to 300. You know, he's shown flashes of being a great hitter. Now, I think it was the season that was shortened by the pandemic. There was a stretch for a good few weeks where he was, like, truly the best hitter in the American League, and maybe even in baseball. And it sounds stupid to look at, but go look at the 2020 season. Go look at what he was doing there. I think there was a 20 or 30 game stretch where he was batting like 400. He was going yard consistently. He's really, really got a lot of potential, especially in that Blue Jays lineup. Now, from the projected lineups I've seen, they have him slotted in around five, which feels maybe a little bit too high. But And we'll see if they do work out a trade to bring Jose Ramirez in. I doubt that it'll happen before the season, but who knows? It wouldn't affect his playing time because he's an outfielder, but something to look at in terms of the lineup. He'll probably be in that 5-6 hole. There should be a 
ton of RBI opportunities. There should be unlimited RBI opportunities. Guy is on base pretty much every time he'll be coming to the plate. So I pick 136. Maybe a little risky just based on the other guys around there, but honestly, it's it's a fair it's a fair bet that he'll return that kind of value. One thirty six. He returned one seventy nine last year. Value, uh, a total value, not a per game basis. The total throughout the whole season, he was one hundred seventy ninth, and that was while struggling throughout the season. There were several instances I have rostered him last year in the league, and there were several instances where, you know, he was really droppable. I think I actually did end up dropping him down the stretch last year and then regretting it because there were times when he was really bad and that would that's what uh, dragged down the overall numbers. If he can just avoid slumping, avoid that couple week slump, month or so slump, he could be a top 100 player. Like especially in that Blue Jays lineup, literally everybody in that Blue Jays lineup pretty much the exception of Danny Jansen, Santiago Espinal they can be top 100 guys. So, I mean, I'm not advocating drafting them as strongly as I would be in the Dodgers lineup. But still, if you could, if you could draft a Blue Jays player below their average draft pick, pretty much every time I'm going to tell you you should do it. Now, with like Danny Jansen and Espinal, no, obviously. But if they're like anywhere in the top seven of that Blue Jays order, they're going to be similar kind of threat to what the Dodgers are going to have going on this year in terms of the power of their lineup. It should be fun. It should be fun to have Blue Jays and Dodgers rostered on your team. So I would take, I would take Guriel around that range. A lot of my shows uh, these last couple weeks have talked about players to avoid, but you know, there's a lot of guys in the outfield here in this pick hundred or so range, hundred, 150 that, you know, they're really solid value guys. Um, nothing wrong with them at all. They're not going to be fantastic, most likely, but they're going to be solid enough that you can stick them in your lineup every day and they're not going to hurt you. And, I mean, a lot of the time it's about not getting hurt, especially with baseball. It's not um, so similar to the other leagues. Like, okay, in fantasy football, you get your one game a week, you put your guys in, whatever. Fantasy hockey, basketball, you guys have three, four games a week. So, you know, you switch them in and out of lineups. With baseball, you're pretty much just drafting and you're leaving your line. You're leaving your lineup set on a daily basis. There's not going to be too much tinkering, probably, <clears throat> depending on how deep your bench is, how your settings are in your league. But you're probably going to be drafting these guys in this range and they're going to be sticking in your lineup throughout the season. Um, pretty much every single day. Based on how many games there are in baseball, the fact that most weeks there are going to be seven games for these guys, so it's another another thing to just keep in mind as you're as you're drafting. Let's move on. Uh, I had a guy on Twitter ask about a couple of Detroit Tigers outfielders, so I'll talk about them now. Uh, Robbie Grossman, we will touch on, and then we'll talk about Akil Badu. Uh, I'm much higher on Badu than I am on Grossman, despite the fact that Grossman had a 2020 season last year, 88 runs. You know, really valuable season, 20 homers, 20 steals. And in a fairly big ballpark in Detroit there to hit 20 home runs, it was, it was a very good season for him, and he was one of the better waiver wire pickups throughout the season. Um, he's being drafted pick 185, very low very low risk. Um, but there are prospects coming up in Detroit. Now, I don't think um, – now, Riley Green's going to be out for a little while. So it's not – 
such a worry there that he's going to lose his job. So, I mean, he's probably worth worth a pick in that range. He's not he's not going very high, 185. If he can do what he did last year, that would be fantastic. I just don't really expect him to do it, so that's why I'm a little bit cautious in terms of Grossman. I wouldn't be jumping up to draft him, which is pretty much my classic philosophy. Don't jump to draft really anybody. Akil Badu is an interesting one in that same range. Uh, with the same kind of power and speed combination as Grossman, except he hits at a bit of a higher batting average. And he's shown uh, a little bit of lefty-lefty pop this spring. I believe he has one, maybe two lefty-lefty homers. For sure, a couple of homers. And for sure, one of them was lefty-lefty. There may have been a second one that was lefty-lefty. But that's a hugely positive sign there. If uh, a smaller left-handed batter can take left-handed pitching deep, that's really big. He can steal a lot of bases. He can hit for a reasonable average at 260. And he's not coming off the board to pick 184. So it's a fairly fairly decent value play there. I like it. I like him at pick 185. It's not going to hurt you. No one in this range is really going to hurt you. That's the that's what I love about baseball is that you you draft your foundation and then you fill out your depth. You draft these guys in the 150 to 250 range. You fill out your roster. And if they don't work, you drop them and you move on. A lot of them, you're going to be drafting. These are going to be streaming slots anyway. These are going to be players who will play a week or they'll play a couple games and you realize... I need to take this player and I need to use this spot to stream starting pitching or what have you. And they'll end up getting dropped. So, you know, take some risks in this range later on. I don't want to take risks early on in drafts because I feel like you need to build a solid foundation. Maybe take one risky pick in your first 10 picks. Just one. Maybe you take a Byron Buxton or you take an Adalberto Mondesi. Guys who have serious injury histories. But you don't have to take risks. That's something I will advocate here as well. You don't have to take risks. There's pretty much in every position that we've gone through, we've talked about value post-pick 200. At least post-pick 150, 160. So there's not much need to take risks. I really advocate not taking risks because you can really ruin your season early on if you draft guys who get hurt. I had a buddy of mine take Mike Trout in the first round last year and it completely derailed his season losing Mike Trout. And it takes a lot of the fun out of it. So, I mean, that was obviously a fluke injury, but you want to try and avoid players who do get hurt a lot and you want to try and look for sure things, which is something I've tried to drive home with you guys pretty much every day. Look for, and I mean, there's no such thing as a sure thing, but there are definitely people who are better positioned for success and health than others. And you have to take that into account when you're drafting. If you don't, then you're, you're going to get hurt. If you just look at your draft board and I mean, if you don't really look at your draft board and if your pick just comes up and you're looking at the average pick and you're saying, okay, he's going to pick 35, I'm picking 36 here. I'll, I'll draft. There needs to be a little bit more information that goes into your selections than just he's the highest ranked um, ADP still on the board here. There is something to be said for drafting and looking at average draft pick and seeing what your peers are doing and trying to find value that way. But you need to have a lot more information than just that when you're going into your drafts. 
That is my daily rant where I typically break off what I'm talking about at some point during the day and I will go on a bit of a tangent. So I, I, I'm tend, I tend to do that quite a bit. Uh, I have a very active brain. If my, if my brain thinks this is the time to talk about something or if I think I'm going to forget about something, I might just talk about it even if it seems in an inopportune moment. But I think everything that I've said makes sense. I think that I'm steering you guys right. So if I... If I do take a pause talking about outfielders to talk about whatever for a second, I think that it's ultimately going to be in your best interest. So by all means, if you want to skip ahead to when I'm talking about the next outfielder in a second, who will be Austin Hayes, then by all means, skip ahead. But I feel like I'm giving you guys fairly good uh, fairly good philosophies to use as as you go into draft season and as you go into you know waiver wire season as well and trade season. And, and you know I'm trying to build my little army of fantasy baseball people here. So if you like what I'm saying, if you like my advice, if you don't like my advice, hit me back on Twitter. Let me know if you think I'm a total fool, if you think I'm crazy, if you think I'm brilliant, which you probably don't. But send me a message. Let me know uh, your opinion. Let me know if you have questions about the show, if you have questions about anything baseball related, anything sports related, but particularly baseball related. We are trying to build up the sports ethos name around baseball here, and that's how we will do it in the community. And by having you guys get back to me on Twitter, I will always answer your DMs. I will always answer your replies. So just something to keep in mind if you ever have any questions. Okay, rant over. Let's go back and talk about a couple more players today. We'll talk about Austin Hayes for the Baltimore Orioles. Now, they are a sorry bunch on the Orioles. They're Probably going to win 50 games, maybe, maybe 60. It's not great. It's really not looking great over there. But Austin Hayes is definitely one of the bright spots. There are a couple of bright spots with Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle. And, of course, a guy we've talked about on the show multiple times, Adley Rutschman, who should be up in the next couple of weeks, I would imagine, depending on how this injury, quote-unquote injury, works. If he's actually hurt, who knows, or if it's a service time thing. I'm really not too tuned in with the Orioles. But we can expect him to be up this year, Ratchman. That's a safe bet. So they'll be fielding a bit of a better team. Of course, I forgot about Cedric Mullins. How can I forget about their best player last year? I think that they're they're going to suck to be honest with you. They're in the best division in baseball, and there's not much room for them to do anything there. They're going to lose 100 games. <clears throat> but there will be players who have value, like Ryan Mountcastle. We've talked about him in our first base show. And we actually touched on him way back in one of our demo shows that you guys can still go ahead and listen to, where I advocated taking Mountcastle because of his uh, growth potential, and I think he'll build on what he did last year. And I think the same about Austin Hayes. He kind of broke out last year for 22 home runs. Not a massive breakout, but um, when his previous high was, I think, yeah, four was his previous high. Now, he'd only played 30 or so games in the previous seasons. And I think last year was technically his rookie year, or it might have been 2020 where he lost eligibility. But last year was his first full season, and he hit 22 homers. He drove in 71. He stole four bags, which is all right. He batted 256. Completely fine, you know. Um not anything that's going to be – he's not going to be one of your better players on your team, but he's being drafted to pick 239. If he's an end-of-the-roster, fill-out-your-team type of guy there, absolutely you take the chance at pick 239. There's really no risk 
uh, post pick 200. Not really, anyway. A couple of risky-er plays, but pretty much everybody in that range is going to be dropped anyway. So if you do happen to strike gold on someone, and I think Hayes is someone that you could very easily strike gold on. He could very easily return a top 150, 120 season this year. I think you have to consider it that late in drafts for sure. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of more guys. We'll talk about Michael Brantley briefly. And I think that I had touched on him in a previous show. And I saw a projected lineup today for the Astros where he's supposed to be slotted in sixth, which is not ideal for his fantasy value. Uh, you really would prefer to have him probably in that two slot. They had him in a three slot at some points last year, which, I mean, Dusty Baker really likes to do his left, right, left, right. Uh, every batter alternates. I think it's more of a, a strategy in terms of combating pitching moves against the team. But the rules have changed in recent years uh, with, with relievers having to throw to three guys when they come out of the pen. Uh, it's kind of hard to manipulate those lineups I mean, you can still do it um, knowing that the pitcher has to pitch three guys in a row. I guess you can alternate your guys the way that Dusty does so that there's never a matchup disadvantage back-to-back. Um, Michael Brantley being drafted to pick 210, I think, I think is okay. I think, you know, like I've said, there's not much risk in this range anyway. And he's someone who's going to be on a very good offense, despite maybe not batting in an ideal position in the lineup. Uh, he's going to be a guy who's not going to hit you home runs, and he's not going to steal bases. His main attributes, his main assets for fantasy are his runs and his batting average. The RBIs are might be okay. He had 47 last year. I mean, he did miss some time, but 47. You'd really hope for a bit more in the middle of that lineup. So look for him to do a bit better than he did last year on that front. I feel like 47 is a really low number. If he stays healthy, look for him to be in that 60-70 range. The batting average, he's always been a good hitter. So a 311 average, there's no reason to think he can't do that again. And the run should be probably about the same. So, I mean, at pick 210, I think it's worth it. I think he's worth the risk there. And like I've said, there's really not much risk there, but... There's a, whenever you whenever you hit the draft button, you are taking some bit of risk, uh, whether it be large or small. Even if you're drafting Trey Turner first overall, there's a bit of risk. You know, there's risk everywhere. So, to have as much information going in to your drafts as you can. Know who's going late. Know who you can wait on. Know who uh, is falling below their average draft pick and who deserves to be. Look at guys who are going well above their average draft pick and why that is, and if it makes sense. Most of the time, I'm telling you, do not do that. I don't think it makes sense a lot of the time. There may be an instance or two where it does make sense to jump on ADP by a few. Most of the time, I'm going to say wait and let the player fall. If someone wants to jump on him, let them make the mistake. Now, it can be a blessing to jump on a player. I know a, a player in my league last year who jumped on Vladdy Guerrero in the fifth round or whatever. I think he jumped a round or so in terms of value to pick him, and it worked out great. It can work out great. I just try and advocate for minimal risk here. I look for the closest thing to a sure thing as you can find. I look for years of consistency leading back 
at least two or three years, four years, to see if this is something that's sustainable for the player. And I look for major contributions in the steals and home run and batting average categories. Those are those are my main philosophies. And the more you guys listen to the show, the more you will hear me repeat those same philosophies. So the reason I say it over and over is to just drill it into your heads that these are these are my strategies to succeed essentially in fantasy baseball. And I hope you guys are going to be here for the ride because it has been a lot of fun so far. We will be starting games on Thursday and Friday. Uh, well, I mean, on Thursday, obviously. Um, the reason I say Thursday and Friday is because some teams don't debut until Friday. And then Saturday is the first day where we have every team in the major leagues playing. So this week should be a lot of fun, a lot of anticipation about lineups, starting rotations, <clears throat> starting catchers, closers, all that fun stuff. We'll have you covered here in the next couple of days. We'll have you covered on Twitter as well. And we'll give you the handles once more. It's at JoeOrico99. That's at J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. And you can also go ahead and follow the Ethos Fantasy BB account. That's E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. The show is posted from both of those accounts every day. And as the season goes on, from my personal account and hopefully from the Ethos Fantasy account as well, We'll be posting out more and more content as we grow uh, Sports Ethos on the baseball side here. Guys, I really appreciate all you tuning in today. Uh, We'll have some fun this week, and there should be a surprise for you guys tomorrow. But we will have some fun going forward uh, this week and throughout the rest of the season. So once again, follow the Twitter. follow, Follow both of the Twitters that I shout out here on the show every day. Download the show. Rate the show. Follow the show. Do all that good stuff. Make us happy here, and we'll hopefully make you happy throughout the season with your fantasy wins. Guys, I hope you have a great Monday. See ya. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.